Okay, so we are in the middle of um, a series in the book of Proverbs, and I have to admit at the start that it's a book I've never read before. Yeah, I know, I know. Please pray for me and my sin. Uh, but I've, I've, I've read bits of it, but never all the way through, because it just seems so random at times, and I think, oh, what do I do with that? And you read one verse, and you think nothing relates to, the, to anything else before it or after it, and you think, I don't know what to do with that. It just feels like one little fridge magnet after another. However, as I've um, started and used the very helpful resource from Anthony Billing, Billing, Billingham, Billingham? Billington, sorry, sorry, Anthony, if you're listening, he's not. Um, <laughs> anyone, be. Um, but he works with Neil. <laughs> he works with Neil, and the little resource called Proverbs, um, aptly titled, uh, was exceptionally helpful in in helping me to understand a bit more about about the the treasures that are in this book. Um, and so I'm still wading through it and really enjoying it actually. So I've been given a passage today um, from chapter 15. And just a bit of a recap, if you've not been with us, or if you have and you've forgotten everything Neil said, which I know is very common. Um, the author's main aims are described in chapter one. Often in the books of the Bible, the, the aims of the book are not described. It's just, it just gets straight into it. Well, Solomon and his um, and other people that were uh, part of compiling the book um, told us what the point of the book was in the first chapter. And the three things he, he said was... Um, it's been written so that you would um, gain wisdom. And wisdom in, in, the, in the way of, of, the, of Proverbs is not just knowledge. It's not just learning new things. And Neil uh, defined, it, I think, as a skillful living, living well, living skillfully. It's actually applied wisdom. It's not just about head knowledge and learning more facts or even more scriptures or even more truth. It's about how do you apply it to your life, which really is what we all want to know, isn't it, with anything in scripture. So he says, it's for gaining wisdom and understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior. Now, I had to actually look, I have to confess, I actually looked up the word prudence because the only reference I had to it was the Beatles song, Dear Prudence. And uh, in that song, hands up if you know that song. I know Frank does. There's a few, it's probably about a third. Um, in that, it's kind of, a, the, the first line is, Dear Prudence, won't you come out to play? And it's basically sort of saying that somebody sort of hides away from the world, really, that actually if you come out of yourself, it's a bit like saying, you know, you're a bit, you're a bit sort of scared, you're a bit boring, you're a bit insular, you're scared to come out. And actually, prudence doesn't mean that at all. So John Lennon, you were wrong, mate. Um, which is not, not the only song he was wrong in. Um, but... <laughs> When I looked into it, prudence was, is a brilliant, a brilliant um, concept and a brilliant um, virtue, really. Uh, it's, um, it's the ability to weigh up and analyse a situation and cautiously respond. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm the sort of person that likes to respond quickly to things, okay? So that can be, you know, as you get older, you start to know more of your strengths and weaknesses, don't you? You start to know, you start to learn more about yourself and who you are and the things that are good and the things that you need to, to work on. And one of my, my, my ability to weigh up situations and wait to respond is something that I need to, to work on and I have been trying to work on um, because I want to get stuck in. I want, if somebody says there's something wrong, I want to get in there and I want to try and help them fix it. Um, and that can be a strength because it can mean people know that you, you care and that you can be decisive and get stuck in. But there's times when that gets you into trouble because actually what you need is to weigh up the options. And actually what you might need to do is get counsel. What you might need to do is pray uh, before you make any, any firm responses. So, so prudence um, is something that the author said they, they, they want to, people to grow in, um, not just for, for, for the young, although the first nine chapters really are addressed to young people. 
it's this concept of a father speaking to, to a son. And Neil very helpfully talked about, about what it means to be a young person and how they need wisdom, but how we are all part of helping younger people to grow. Even if you, you've not got children in the church, you are a part of raising the children that, be, that are attached to this church, that have come to this church. And um, so, so that's a little bit. It also says that um, the idea is for receiving instruction and doing what is right and just and fair. Okay, and in that first chapter, we have the very famous, famous uh, passage, well, the very famous verse, which says, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which I'll be coming back to later. So let's get into it. Proverbs are not promises. Okay, they're not promises. They are probabilities that if used well and applied in the right context, generally come true. Okay, generally work. But they're not promises. It's not, uh, if you do this, this definitely will happen to you. And as I'm sure if you've tried some of these things, which you will have done, you'll realize it's not as simple as that. It's about the wisdom to know when these things apply in what context, okay? Which is really what we have to do every day, isn't it? Every single day you need to make decisions. Sometimes you do get the, the luxury of being able to wait and weigh things up, but often you don't. Often you have to make decisions like that. And the context uh, of, of these Proverbs is, and how you apply them is important. In terms of context as well, obviously we've got to look at Proverbs in the, in the light of the other wisdom books. There's, other, there's another two books that are described as wisdom category in, in the Bible, and that is Job and Ecclesiastes. And if you put those three things together, they're very different. So, you know, Ecclesiastes I love, but there's a lot about it, life being meaningless or, or vanity. And it's kind of like, it's very, very different to Proverbs. And Job is different again. Um, and then if you apply that, if you think about the whole of Scripture, the context of the whole of Scripture, including, and mainly including Jesus' words and the words of Paul and Peter and co., you've got to think about Proverbs in the, in the light of the whole of Scripture. And that's what we do in any book, isn't it? When we pick any book, we have to think of it in the light of the whole of Scripture. So that's a bit of context. Um, so I don't usually go for literary features. I'm not really a, an, you know, I'm into sort of English literature and language, but there are some interesting literary features. My clicker won't work. Um, Neil's given us some of those, those literary features, but there's one that I picked up that he didn't say. Okay. We're not to see it. It's obviously not meant to be said this morning. Are you messing my slides again? No, I'm going to kid. I'm going to kid. Um, okay. If, are you able to push me on the... Oh. Hey, so it's working now. Great. So, literary features, caricatures. Okay, so caricatures, for those who, who don't know, are exaggerated examples that we can use to, to either to, to mark out to follow or to avoid. And there are caricatures in the book of Proverbs. There are three main caricatures, or three main character types, the wise, the fool, and the simple. Okay? Hope that doesn't describe too many people in here. The wise is described as not just somebody who knows stuff, but someone who's embraced God's covenant. So wisdom in, in the book of Proverbs is not just knowing things, it's about embracing God's covenant and has learned the skill of living it out. And I think we probably would all say that's what we aspire to do. We want, it, we want to, to learn and embrace God's covenant, God's way of living, and being able to live it out in the context that we find ourselves every day. Do we not? Yeah? Um, the fool... None of us probably want to be in this category. Someone who is, it's not just somebody who's a bit silly and makes daft decisions. It's somebody who's against, opposed to God's covenant. Uh, but they're not beyond hope. There is always hope. 
So that's how this is. Sometimes these, these terms in the Bible are slightly different to how they're used in, in secular uh, culture. The simple, again, not somebody who's stupid, but actually somebody who's neither wise nor fool, somebody who really doesn't know how, the, how to apply themselves to the discipline needed. Neil talked about um, wisdom being both a gift and a discipline. There's a gift element to it, i.e. God empowers us and you know, gives us something that is beyond what we can, we can learn ourselves. But it doesn't, it's not just all downloaded from heaven, is it? We have to apply ourselves to discipline, discipline um, to, to be able to grow in wisdom. So the simple somebody that probably a lot of people would fall into that category um, that I know, that they, they're kind of like, they're sort of swayed by whatever is popular at the time, the sort of advice that, that they're given, it could change. There's no absolutes in their life. So it's, it's, they're not absolutely following God's covenant. They might not be completely against it. They're somewhere in between, which is probably a, a, good, a good way of describing lots of people. Then there's other ones, other characters, which we've talked about. The prudent, someone who's careful in their speech and behavior. The righteous, someone who's been faithful to God in their thoughts, actions, and words. The wicked, someone who's actively opposed to God and the, his plans and, and plans ways of, di- of damaging the creation and leading others astray, and the scoffer. Now, this one, somebody in one of the commentaries said, this is like the, the great sin, inverted commas, of Proverbs, the scoffer. Now, this isn't just somebody who just laughs all the time or takes the mick out of people, but it's somebody who is wise in their own eyes, somebody who is almost unable to be taught, unable to learn anymore because they already think they know everything. You can't teach them anything. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've fallen into that category and it's a battle where, you, you know, from an early age, I was somebody who couldn't be told, all right? I was somebody, I remember being at my friend's house once playing chess. I had no idea to play, how to play chess. I really didn't. I, I think I'd done one chess game and I just made it up on the spot. I went to a friend's house whose son knew how to play chess. He'd been playing with his dad for a long time. I think his dad, dad was some kind of chess champion. And I had the gall to say, when, when he's, his dad came and said, you can't do, you can't make that move. And I said, you can of course you can. We had an argument for about an hour in his house. He had, he had to take me home. I had no idea how to play chess, but I was insistent that he wasn't going to tell me that I couldn't play chess. I did the same. I think last time I preached, I did the same with, it, with our, our headmaster at school about the rules of rugby. And my mum uh, got sent off. I had to be in his office. We still continue to argue, even though I was wrong on both accounts. My mum had to come and pick me up on that time as well. And I've got to say, that's continued through my adult life. <laughs> But I'm just being honest with you guys. You know, confessing your sins in front of one another is, is a good way to start, okay? I'm working on this, and I'm asking for help. Okay, so it could be the great sin of Proverbs because it's written to teach people. Uh, and if you already think that you know everything and you can't be taught, then this is not, you're never going to learn anything. You're never going to grow. Um, and I suppose one of the questions I would start with is, is not which category do you fall into today? Um, because obviously we probably wouldn't see ourselves in any of those particularly um, we don't, don't fit neatly in any of those, but we, we know which ones we'd aspire to and which ones we'd like to avoid, wouldn't we? But actually, maybe the, the question is, um, are you still teachable? Have you, got to, have you got to a part in your life where you actually feel, even though you'd never say it, and maybe you wouldn't even think it, but actually you've, you've, you've become difficult to teach. You've, 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 you've st- settled where you are in terms of your knowledge of God and the scriptures, and you've got into patterns of behavior and attitudes, and you're, you're happy with it. Now, some of those, it's not that everything we do is wrong and we always have to keep changing every minute, but we've got to believe that there's always more. We've got to believe that God is transforming us from one degree of glory into another and that we're never finished. We're never the finished article, are we? If we ever get to that stage where we think we are, we're fooling ourselves. We're wise in our own eyes. 
So that's really the, the kind of crux of today is that are we, are, we, are we teachable? Are we still teachable? And are we hungry to learn? So today's passage, let's read it. Um, I did put a lot of, I put the whole passage on one slide. And when Neil came, he said, you can't really read that. So we had a bit of an argument. I told him he, <laughs> I told him he was wrong. He called my mum and she beat me up. <laughs> uh, she would have sided with Neil straight away. Um, so it's chopped up into four slides, I believe. Um, so we'll read it. It's quite a long one. Um, so if you want to read along with me, you can do. If not, it's on there on the screen. So Proverbs chapter 15, verses 16 to 13. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fat... <laughs> it's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who's patient calms a quarrel. The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly brings joy to one who has no sense, but whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word? We're halfway there. The path of life leads upward for the prudent to keep them from going down to the realm of the dead. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place. The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but the gracious words are pure in his sight. The greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Last one. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. And finally, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honour. Now, what are your first impressions of that passage? Anyone? Too big to get hold of. Okay. Very bitty. Yeah. Anything else? I thought the the phrase about um, being I can't remember it now, up to the father, mm-hmm. honouring the father, but despising his mother. I mm. understand that. Okay, where was that one? Yeah. One before. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Okay. I think they're just using the two different characters there rather than saying a wise man brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his father. I don't know. I think it's the same, the same thing, really. Okay, anything else? Any other, any other comments on that? Yes, Vera? <coughs> yeah. Why did you, like you like that one? Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, good news does make you feel better. Yeah. So you, can, that you, so you can pick out ones that already resonate with you, yeah? And you can see, actually, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, but it is, like you guys have said, it is quite bitty, it's quite hard. This is the reason probably I've avoided it all these years because it's like, I don't really know what to do with it. It feels just like lots of little bits of pithy advice that could be on fridge magnets and I don't really, it's nothing to get your teeth stuck into because you, you know, you start with, we, we started laughter when we said vegetables because it was like, you know, great wealth, then vegetables, then, then you know, conflict, then somebody who's a sluggard, then you know, wisdom, then folly, it's just, it's then counsel, and there's just so many different topics being used, but actually, 
Um, one, in the book that Anthony, Anthony has authored, he said, maybe that is a good way of describing our lives, that um, it's unstructured or unpredictable. There's lots of things that happen, sometimes in a, in a random sort of way, um, and we don't know what's going to come next sometimes in, 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 a, in a, any one day, do we? And so maybe that's, that's not a bad reflection of our lives. And actually I thought, what, how could all this, this passage apply to a typical day? And I was trying to think of when I, was, when I was at college, and so I just, go with me for this. It's a bit contrived, but go with me. So a typical day, maybe for me, we start, we'll go back to the start. You wake up after not sleeping very well. You're tired and it's tempting to call in sick to work. Anybody ever felt like that? Verse 19 reminds you of what happens to sluggards. <laughs> uh, as you're tired, you're not, and you're not usually a morning person anyway, uh, you're easily annoyed by a comment made by your spouse. Anybody ever been there? Verse 18 reminds you not to overreact and to stay calm. Uh, on your way to work, you try to pray, but you find yourself worrying about money. Verses 16 and 17 remind you that God will be with you whatever happens, and that's better than financial security. As you walk into the office, you hear some of your colleagues speaking maliciously about other staff. Happens, happens a lot, and it's tempting to join in. Verse 21 corrects your momentary lapse of discretion. As you, you get stuck into your daily tax, tasks and find yourself at a dead end, unable to solve a problem. Rather than wasting any more time, you remember the advice of verse 22 and gather a few colleagues together. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. During your lunch break, you see a colleague looking anxious and upset, so you go in to sit down with them. They pour out their heart to you, and you respond with some encouraging words you hope will find helpful. And as Vera said, verse 23 says, you find a sense of joy in being able to give a timely word. Actually, that was a different one to what you mentioned, wasn't it? Sorry. I'm putting, I'm putting words in your mouth now because I've got a microphone. It's almost home time and you get an unexpected call from your boss who explains she needs to respond to a complaint about you made by a customer or a student in my case. Whilst you feel it was a bit over the top, you remember verses 31 and 32 and reflect on what you might learn from this as you drive home. Yes, it's... Oh, yes, it's very contrived, but actually, as I, as I thought how random it was, I thought how much of this could apply to a typical day. And obviously, you could think of your own day and think how much of these would actually be really helpful if you could only, you know, if you could bring them to mind and act and, you know, and choose wisely in that context. Now, how el however helpful these bits of advice are, obviously, we're not meant to read Proverbs purely in this way. Um, it's not just good advice. There is some great advice in there. But if we're honest, there's advice everywhere and some loads of good advice, extra biblical advice, things that are not in the Bible. Um, every culture and time has its own bits of, of advice. We talked on the first Sunday, the last time, about proverbs that we all know that are not in the Bible, like too many cooks spoil the broth. That's wisdom. Um, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. That's wisdom. There's, there's lots of these, you know, a watch pot never boils. All these things that are not in the Bible, but actually have a ring of truth about them, don't they? Um, and all truth is God's truth. But the difference is, I mean, even I was, one of the things I looked at when I was re researching this is that the Egyptians had proverbs about a thousand years before these ones that were very, very similar as well. And every culture has their own. So it's not that these are unique somehow to, to the Bible or to, 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 Hebrews, to the Hebrew. Um, but... The difference with these to every other bit of advice is that they're framed by a, a relationship or a fear of God. I'll come on to that in a sec. I was looking around. I don't know if you've seen any of these anywhere. If you ever walk in Lighthouse Park, you'll see some of these little stickers, little um, well, posters actually around, some on trees, some on park, bench, uh, park, park railings. 
and it says, it's Instagram, Notes of the North, somebody who calls himself Notes of the North, and they put these little bits of advice or, or statements around the place. <clears throat> I saw one on the keys the other day as well. And one says here, your mistakes don't define you. The second one, why waste time being judgmental? And the third one, I'm sorry is sometimes the hardest thing to say. Um, I thought that was a song. Um, but all three of those things, none of them are, are biblical, but all of them we probably would say, I can, that has a ring of truth about it, doesn't it? That's, there's biblical precedent for that. It seems to be true. It's God's truth. Now, that's not written in the Bible, is it? And it's nothing wrong with it. Uh, the biggest difference is, is this, isn't it? Is the fear of the Lord. Now, Neil talked a little bit about people were saying that, that fear, we struggle with that word. But one of the things, the way somebody mentioned, I think it was Natalie said, it's a reverence. And I was thinking it's, it's a kind of, of way of, when you, are, when you come to something that is so much better or greater or bigger than you, you feel small in comparison. That's what I think about when I think of the fear of the Lord. It's not that I feel scared of God, although if he wanted to, which he doesn't, I hope, want to smite me down, um, he could. But it's not that I'm scared of him because because I think he's going to do something bad to me. It's just that in the presence of someone who's so much infinite, who's omnipresent, who's everywhere, who is omniscient, who's all-knowing, who's all-powerful, you feel, you can't feel, can't help but feel small in that, in that presence. And I think that's good. I, do, I get the same, a similar um, sensation when I go to the sea. I see the ocean. I look at the ocean or the or sea and I think, how vast is the ocean? How small am I? And we're in a tiny little bit of an island off a tiny coast of a tiny, you know, a tiny place in the world, which is tiny in comparison to the cosmos. So you think, when you think of yourself in the perspective of, of God, you realize that, there is a, a healthy reverence for God here, not because we're scared that he might do something bad to us. Um, and actually, that's the difference. That's actually the thrust of all of the Proverbs. It's that, do we have the humility to, to live our lives in a relationship with the one who knows everything? If we want to be wise, we need to get to know the one who knows everything. Yeah, You want to, you want to know how to live, you, you get to know the one who created you. And I was thinking about, I mean, all the comparisons are always a bit naff, but I was thinking about, you know, the purposes that things are made for. So I want, the one that came to mind, I don't know why, because I'm not, I think Faye might like this one, because you're into Formula One, aren't you? A Formula One car was made for a track. It can go over 200 miles an hour. How, how, how what's the top speed? Do you know? Okay. <laughs> Good answer. It's all about, con it's all about context. Um, it can be used, it, that's what it's made for, yeah? That's where it feels alive, that's what the creator created it for. But it could be used just driving down, presumably down Bolton Road at 30 mile an hour. But what a naff application of something, it's not what it was intended for, was it? And it probably, I, I presume it probably would actually not, it would probably wear out in some way because it's not actually been used to its capacity. And I think similar, I mean, it's not, it's not a great analogy, but it's an analogy that, you know, we were created for, for to live in a relationship with the creator who knows all things, who can do all things, who is everywhere, not to live on our own. And that's what Proverbs is all about, the fear of the Lord. And there's two, two particular verses. Interestingly, Proverbs itself is, starts off in the first chapter of saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But this actual passage I was given starts and ends nicely um, with the fear of the Lord. The first verse in this passage says, better a little with the fear of the Lord or fear of Yahweh than great wealth with turmoil. That's the start, that's the first verse. The last verse, wisdom's instruction is to fear Yahweh and humility comes before honour. That's the bookends to this chapter, this, this passage. And I think, what a great, neat little thing because it actually, everything in between, it, you know, it's, that's what it's all about. That's what it's framed, framed for. So, 
There are several proverbs in this passage. There's loads of themes. And actually, the, the most common theme, I think, in this passage is about sound speech. Now, unfortunately, we're doing that next week, so I can't talk about that um, because I'll probably steal, steal somebody else's sermon that Neil did to me last week. Um, <laughs> so, we, but there is a lot about humility and pride. And actually... Um, here's, here's four verses that talk about humility and also being teachable. That question is, have, have we got to a stage where we actually still think there's things about us that... I know my strengths, some of my strengths and weaknesses, and I know that, that I need help. I know, and that's humility. It's not, it's not one of the things... This is a fridge magnet, by the way. I hope somebody else hasn't come up with it, because I came up with it this morning. I thought it was quite good. Humility is not about thinking less of ourselves, but thinking more of God. That's not a bad fridge magnet, is it? Um, not just God, but other people as well. We need to heed correction. Last week we talked about, actually, as a body of people, we're not here just to sort of tell each other everything's okay when it's not. We're not here. Friends don't just, just say the nice stuff, do they? Sometimes friends have to say, say things that are hard to hear because, actually, we care so much that we don't want, we don't want you to go down a path that can lead to, to ruin. We don't want you to do, make mistakes. And, actually, it's, the skill is in how you do it, isn't it? And, and the context and the moment of doing it. Um, so four verses here in this passage. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place. Verse 31, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be home among the wise. And similarly, verse 32, those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. And I think a lot in our culture now, it's, it's, um, it's very difficult to... People don't really want discipline, don't really want to be challenged. We just want to be able to, to, to hang around and listen to people and go on Facebook with groups of people that, that share the same views as us. And actually, it's when you actually come out with something that challenges it, man, do you see the venom. I thought we were really, we were really liberal until we realized that you, you actually disagree with somebody and then the liberals turn on you. Um, it's happened to me on Facebook. I'll never, do, I'll never put a political opinion on Facebook again. Um, <laughs> And the fourth one was wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. So there's a lot here about humility. And I think it's because to be able to, to, be, to, to get to know God, you have to start by, by saying, I don't have the answers. I don't know everything and I am in need. It doesn't mean that you think less of yourself and that you beat yourself up. It's just that you realize that before the presence of God, you know so little. You are in massive need of help. And that's where I start. That's where Christian life really starts, isn't it? I don't have the answers. Um, Jesus said, didn't he, um, without me you can do nothing. Um, and really, in comparison to what God can do, that we can do nothing. We can do stuff, but in comparison to what God can do, we can do nothing of any, any internal significance. Um, we're proud by nature, aren't we? And we like to feel we know best. We don't really want people to tell us that we're off, we're off track. But that is one of our roles as church, is to, is to gently instruct and encourage one another. And I've got to say, I find that as hard as anybody else to receive that. But I also know I need it as much as anybody else as well. So if you see anything, you know, it's the right time. If God's prompting you, come and tell me. Uh, and I'll do the same with you. Um, <laughs> I read this, John Calvin, the French theologian from the, the Reformation period in the, in the 1500s, said, um, he wrote a book called in The Institutes of the Christian Religion. I wrote some papers that are now in a book. He said, nearly all the wisdom we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. And the most effective poison to lead us to ruin is to boast in ourselves, in our own wisdom and willpower. Our humility is grounded in an honest recognition of our own weakness and need. Um, and I was thinking about culture, every culture, we accumulate knowledge, don't we, from, 
from the previous generations. So now we've got more knowledge, if you like, and more, more access to knowledge because we're the latest cup, we're the latest generation. Yeah, we had more than the last generation, they had more than the generation before them. And I was thinking, Neil talked about clip art last week, which my kids were just going, what, clip art? What is clip art? You know, I mean, and I can remember encyclopedias at school as well, because we were only just getting computers. I, I'm not giving away my age, but you know, we can play guess the age later. But um, we were just getting computers as I'm getting into the middle of high school. And so we still, when we wanted to know something, the teacher would still say, go to the library and get the encyclopedia out, which, of course, there's loads of stuff in it, but it's out of date as soon as it's published because the, information is growing all the time and things are changing all the time. So, and it was an absolute pain in the backside to be like, you know, flick, trying to find the thing that you, you want. You spend ages trying to find it and then you find it and you're like, oh, that wasn't that helpful anyway. We now have the internet, which you could probably spend your whole of your life just look, looking through the internet, couldn't you? You could click on one and that leads to something else and that leads to something else. And it is fascinating and there's loads of great stuff about it. Um, but actually, I was thinking about all these discoveries and all these, these advancements we've got. And we had some great advancements in medical science, in technology, in, uh, in scientific discovery. But are we any wiser as a, as a society? Are we any better? Are we more virtuous? Well, all the same problems that were there before, they're still there. War, greed, poverty, hunger, power, they're all still there. And actually, we've got new problems we didn't even have a generation ago. <laughs> so even just one, talking about the internet, we can all think of problems the internet, I mean, it's as brilliant as it is, we can all think of problems that didn't even exist a generation ago. So are we any wiser for our accumulation of knowledge? And I would say, no, we're not. Inf it, completely not. And it's not a bad sort of uh, comparison, really. Um, just knowing stuff doesn't make us wiser. And it doesn't make us any more virtuous. Learning scripture doesn't make you any wiser. The Pharisees learned scripture, but they were so far away from God. Their hearts were so far away from, the, from what it meant to live in relation to, in, into the fear of God. But they knew everything. You know? And so we can, we, can, we can, it's a danger for us too. It's a warning to us as well. Okay. Let's leave that bit out. So what? Okay, so we're coming to the end now. So what? There's a, there's a quote that I read again from, um, I think, is Bev Shepard anything to do with that LICC? Okay, so Bev Shepard on the LICC website when she was talking about, about the fear of the Lord. There's a really good quote here. I'm going to finish it in a minute. It's a bit long, but I was going to chop it in half, but then I thought it's too good to, to leave it in half. So she said this. If we allow the culture of our workplaces and the time pressures we experience to squeeze the fear of God out of our wisdom, it is in danger of becoming practical atheism where our responses to situations are not distinguishable from those of our non-believing colleagues. So just take, take that in for a minute. If we squeeze the fear of God out of it, it just becomes pithy little bits of advice. It just becomes wise sayings. It just becomes notes of the north. Yeah? If the culture of heaven is to impact our homes, our workplaces, and our neighborhoods, then it will do so through those whose thoughts and actions are shaped by the reverence for God, by reverence for God. And really, that's what it is. It's a really simple message. It all boils down to a simple message is essentially get closer to God, isn't it? I mean, that's essentially the bottom line here is if you, if you, you, you never get, you know, if, you, if you want to grow in wisdom and to live out well, you just got to get close to God. It's as simple as that. And uh, I know that's not a brilliant sort of, you know, fantastically ingenious thing to say. And you know, you heard it a million times in sermons, but it's just true, isn't it? You know, it's not, humility is not, we need to start with humility to say, I've got strengths, but I've got weaknesses. God help me, God help me. And I need you lot to help me to do that. And I hope you need in some way, I need me to help you 
to see that and to correct one another. We need God. We need scripture, but that's not enough on its own. Scripture is not enough on its own. We need discipline. Yeah, we need to apply this stuff. Knowledge is, is, is good, but it can puff you up. It can make you feel, well, I know loads of stuff, but how, you, how can you apply it into your, into your day, into your week, into your life? So I suppose a couple of questions. Are, you know, when was the last time you were honest with God and asked him to show you where you needed correction? When was the last time you did that? Um, I've done it only because I'm preparing for the sermon. Uh, <laughs> But um, it gave me an opportunity to ask God, okay, God, you know, I think we've made some progress here over the years I've been a Christian. I've, if it, you know, these things I'm not doing, I used to do. These things I'm doing better than I used to do. But I'm, where, am I, where, am I still, where am I still needing sharpening? Where do I still need your challenge? Where do I still need your direction? Are we still teachable and hungry to grow in character? Or have we, are we stagnating a bit? Renew your mind, Paul writes, doesn't he? Renew your mind. It's constant, a constant thing every day. Come to God, be hungry, be humble, and God will teach you. That's it, basically, today. It's pretty simple. So I think we're going to um, invite the band back. And I'm going to pray. And I just encourage you as I pray, maybe to ask that of God, to say to God... Show me where I need correction. Show me where I've become proud. Give me a hunger for you again, for your ways. Lord, we love you. And uh, we're so thankful that you, each one of us has a, has can point to a moment in our lives when you you rescued us from ourselves where you said to us come take my yoke upon you learn from me my yoke is easy or is good and my burden is light and Lord we confess to you this morning that at times we we actually live pretty much like everybody else sometimes and think we can do it on our own and we realise again at times we just it's come back and fall ourselves back on your wisdom back on your mercy and before the all-knowing one, Lord, we, we recognize that we know so little. We thank you that you are, gent- you are gentle in your correction of us, that you, you want what's best for us because you're a father who, who loves us. But mothers and fathers discipline the ones they love. And Lord, we don't despise your discipline. We ask for it. We ask for your correction. We ask for, for you to, to transform us again, to keep transforming us into the likeness of your son. <coughs> Lord, and we, we also pray that you'd help us this week as we go back to our homes and for those of us who work into our workplaces and into the places we socialize, the clubs we belong to, the places we, we go to, to hang out. We pray, Lord, that you would give us that, those moments of, of clarity where we can, we can bring your wisdom, Lord, into situations. Help us to weigh things up. Help us to not be quick, Lord, to, to try and fix things, but to weigh things up and to, to listen to what you're saying to us. We can't do anything on our own. Holy Spirit, we need your guidance every single moment of every single day. And uh, we know that you delight to give it.
Lord, help us, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.